You're listening to The Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. So I'm really excited to share with you this morning, and um, my preach is entitled True Sons and Daughters. And I actually prepared something completely different. And then we had a leaders meeting on Thursday evening and the Lord just ministered to us so deeply along a story that I'm going to share a little bit later um, that I felt to change everything. And so on Friday, I just, I pulled a whole lot of ideas that the Holy Spirit's been teaching me over the last months into um, this message this morning, true sons and daughters. So we're going to start uh, and launch from the same text as Sean preached from uh, two, three weeks ago, and that's Romans 8, verse 14 to 17. Sons and daughters destined for glory. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Who was our very first example? Jesus. The mature Son of God moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you've received the spirit of full acceptance or complete sonship enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us the spirits uh, our spirit joining him in saying the words of tender affection beloved father or daddy God for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being you insert your name you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, there comes the true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined in Christ, and we also inherit all that Christ is and all that he has, that is the definition of grace. All that Christ is and all that he has is ours and we live from that place we will experience being co-glorified with him provided we accept his sufferings as our own you see when jesus went to the cross and we received the gift of salvation we were born again leaving behind the former life the old self the old men and women that we were and we were born to be true children, true sons and daughters. Let me read how um, Timothy Keller puts it. Our true elder brother, Jesus, paid our debt on the cross in our place. There, Jesus was stripped naked of his robe and dignity so that we could be clothed with a dignity and standing we don't deserve. On the cross, Jesus was treated as an outcast so we could be brought into God's family freely by grace. There Jesus drank the cup of eternal justice so that we might have the cup of the Father's joy. There was no other way for the Heavenly Father to bring us in except at the expense of our true elder brother. He is the first true son and we are brothers and sisters in his likeness. 
And our full inheritance, you hear in the letters to the churches, you hear Paul's, um, he, he he says labor pains, but you hear his groans, wanting to see each and every believer come to the maturity of the fullness of Jesus being formed in us. At the cross, we receive the finished work of salvation, born again into the full inheritance of Jesus in us, us in him, and included, enfolded into the family of God. And then we walk out this life of faith. And what happens is that Jesus becomes fully formed in us as we become more and more and more like him, our true elder brother, our true son and daughter selves. Let's look at the scripture from 1 John, sorry, from John 1 in the message. Whoever did want Jesus, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made them to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are not the God, these are the God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. And God begotten means God brought us into existence. He created us. It was his spirit that rebirthed us into being our true selves, our son and daughter selves. He did it through the blood of the eldest son. And now we get to walk out the fullness of what it means, that finished work on the cross. And so my exhortation this morning, my encouragement is the Spirit is continually calling us. That's what Romans is unpacking. He is continually calling us into that relationship of beloved sons and daughters to the Father. Dearest Daddy, my Daddy God, the communion of the Spirit bringing us into that fellowship, away from the identity of the old man that we get so easily caught up in, the not enough, the self-striving, the fear, the anxiety, the aloneness, What our journey of life does is it exposes two things, either our orphan-heartedness or our true son or daughter self. That's what life does. That every day's challenges, the highs, the lows, what it brings to the table is, are we orphans acting in our old self? Or actually, are we walking as sons and daughters enfolded in this family in fellowship with the spirit, the son and the father? Um, By permission of uh, Ro, I'm using an image that Rob actually sketched. That's Ro and Sam. Um, And it was the album cover of his uh, first song called Moments. If you don't have it, get it. Ask him where you can get it, okay? But I just want to show you so clearly the progression of what I'm speaking about. That first image is the Garden of Eden, our original purpose. The son and daughter walking in fellowship with the father. There's trust. There's intimacy, there's walking together and working together. And then Venom comes into the heart of Eden and says, you know what? He's not trustworthy. The suspicion that God is not good, he is not faithful, and we're much better off finding who we are by ourselves. And it shatters the original purpose, the original image that every man and woman on the planet was created for. And we're left 
alone, distorted, under the curse. And if you use that filter on um, our relationships, man to woman, as friends, as mothers and fathers, it's this distortion of independence and power and authority plays and because we're disconnected from that original purpose. But as we walk through the cross, that picture for me and you, for sons and daughters is fully restored. And we need to get used to not living there in the shattered, distorted vision of being alone and an orphan, but being the son and daughter because we are in fellowship with the Father through his precious Holy Spirit. We are never alone. New creation, sons and daughters. And I feel the Holy Spirit just calling us again, like in Romans 8, welling up inside of us. You are beloved sons and daughters. I want you to think like that. I want you to process like that. I want every day to be an opportunity to know the Father better, not to live separated, anxious, defeated, alone. So yesterday I went and made myself a pair of grave glasses, okay? I put the spider on because, you know, just like fear, representing fear. But if you come closer, you'll see there's skeletons on the glasses and I've written down my, my biggest fears, okay? And I, and I glued them on. And um, there's, there's a zombie somewhere here as well. But basically, what this represents is the lenses that I put on that I cannot see very well through. But the grave glasses that I put on when I'm acting in my old woman self. And I put these glasses on and I feel alone. And I look at my life and I look at, at my family, I look at my kids and I'm scared or I'm worried. I look at our work challenges and I'm like, I feel alone. And you know what I begin to do? Katia Adams uses this word and I love it, hustle. Hustle is when you look at your stuff and you're going to fix it. You hustle. You pull that. You pull that. There's a busyness. There's an anxiety. I'm going to fix it. You're basically operating from being alone. The promises of God aren't working out very well. His word on my life isn't actually what I was hoping it would be. Therefore, I look at it like this and I hustle to fix things because I'm operating in that broken, distorted picture. And the spirit is like, I'm gonna keep these on my table. And I'm gonna remember that sometimes when I'm feel, feeling those red flags of fear, anxiety, pressure, feeling alone that I've got these glasses on. And what I wrote on here is, and the spirit said to me as I put this, because this, this um, skeleton's got flowers on it, he's like, don't you dress up death as life. And that's what I do. I say my, I, I rationalize my fear. I rationalize my hustle to fix things in my life because I'm disappointed. I haven't seen what I expected. And the spirit's like, no, put those glasses away. You're going to start thinking as a daughter of the most high God. So Sean preached so beautifully. If you haven't listened to his preach, please go back and listen to the podcast. From Romans 8, our inheritance um, is the father. He spoke from the parable of the loving father, which is known as the parable of the prodigal son, where we tend to relate to either the first son. The first son is in the hustle. He's living his own way. He's self-actualizing. Okay. I'm going to find myself. I'm on a journey of finding myself. So I'm going to do it on my terms. That's the first son. The second son likes to control his life through performance and his own effort in order to be successful. And when we relate to either one of those, we've missed the point, we're still there. Mm -hmm. We are to make the Father 
our inheritance. True sons and daughters look like the Father. Jesus said, if you look at me, you see the Father. He was in fellowship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Our inheritance is the Father. His kindness, his generosity, his justice, his joy. Um, I was actually this week spending a little bit of time visualizing being in that parable. Okay, what would it be like to be a son with a father who's a great landowner, a great man? Now, I want to say my father, and I just want to honor him, is so beautifully yielded to the heavenly father and um, represents him so well. On Friday evening, we had a Valentine's dinner together and we had had a really rough week. I was tired and we drove up the driveway and there was my dad dressed in black with a red beret and he said, welcome to the Valentine's dinner. And my mom had set this feasting table. I said to him, it was my best moment of the week, seeing that face with the red beret. And in a sense, that's what I began to visualize with the prodigal son. Like, our heavenly father is this great landowner. He is a man of generosity and wealth. He is faithful and he is kind and we live in his house. And he is our inheritance. If you start thinking about that, imagine that was real in the practical, how different would the decisions that you made be when you had that daddy looking after you watching over you, caring for you, knowing that he's got your back, that yes, he wants you to do great exploits, but he's, he's footing the bill. This great father that would come down, I was like, oh, father, you wouldn't be in an ivory tower. You would have this feasting table and you'd invite the broken and invite the poor. It's like I began to visualize myself in that parable, go and do that, because suddenly you, you think, if I really believe that's real, I would make decisions differently in my life. Okay, so what I did is I made a little, um, can I have the next slide? I made a little table that I've been working on for months now of the characteristics of the self-made man and woman and the God created, the God begotten son and daughter. So this came from a moment when I went into Cotton On and um, there was this t-shirt that said self-made woman. It was a very cute t-shirt actually. And if you have that t-shirt, be free, okay? <laughs> Love your t-shirt because it was cute. But the Holy Spirit in that moment, because he'd been speaking to me on this theme, he was like, you see, that's what the world wants you to be. I've created you to be a daughter, and I want to show you what the difference is. Okay? So the one is an orphan mentality. Orphans operate alone. They hustle. Self-effort to make things happen. Whereas a daughter or a son is sustained by grace, empowered by the Spirit, and walking by faith. What does that mean? I, I define grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Through the blood of Jesus, we get the full inheritance of our Father and Jesus. And every day, that's the reality we live in. That's sustained by grace. And when you, you're not living with that awareness, it's like we want to fall back into, oh my word, that finished work. Empowered by the Spirit, learning to live, following His voice, following His leading. And walking by faith means not looking at what we see. The hustle is looking at what we see and doing our best. Faith is looking at what God has said and what God has promised. Self-made man or woman is independent. God created son, daughter, partnership, participation, learning to walk, those unforced rhythms of great walking together, working together. Self-made, grasping, striving, scarcity, there's never enough, shame, I'm unsafe, I'm fearful, I'm cynical, and I'm sarcastic. Those are the red flags. 
And when I'm operating there, I'm stingy, I'm holding on white knuckled, and I'm scared and I'm hustling to make decisions from that place. The son and daughter expect good, childlike in wonder, innocence, trust, and hopeful. Honestly, I'm going to be 40 this year. It's hard to be innocent, right? You've been through stuff. But the Lord wants to bring us back to innocence and trust like a little child, okay? Self-made failure. When you fail, you're exposed, you're full of shame, and you're stuck. And you hide in that disappointment saying, I won't try it again. Okay, whether it's relationship or church or any kind of promise, dream, adventure. Failure when your son and daughter says, get up, brush off the dust, trust and keep going. You're learning, you're growing, you're trusting. Failure is just part of the kingdom risk. It does not mean shame. It does not mean getting stuck in disappointment and not trying that again. Self-made, proud, threatened, defensive. We have to protect ourselves because we cannot let our weakness be shown. Son and daughter are vulnerable and open-hearted because if you see my weakness, I don't mind because my weakness is an opportunity for the strength of God to be shown. And so I don't have to hold a mask and say, oh, I'm all together. Actually, I'm struggling with this. I'm fearful in this area and I need God. We, we become desperate for the Holy Spirit. We become desperate and dependent. And that's our mark of honor, not shame. Standing on others to achieve. Power feels like winning and stingy versus leading by serving others, laying down your life equals greatness and generous. That is huge. You try and operate that way in a family or in a church and it's not going to work. But when you serve others to lift them up by leading and loving and laying down your life, it works. Okay. And then the one has great exploits. Yes. But what is the fruit? And the other has great export, and the fruit hopefully looks like love, joy, peace, and the kingdom. And so those become red flags for me, and I, I don't want to stay there because I'm operating in that old distorted image. I want to move to the son and daughter. I want the spirit, and this is not me working harder. This is me empowered by the spirit as he leads me, and Romans 8 rises up within me crying, Daddy God! Daddy God, Daddy God, and he makes me like my eldest brother, and he makes me my true self. It's not me having a list of all the things I have to do. In fact, when I get there, it's not a good sign. We are the true children who inherit the kingdom promises. Salvation was at its conception by grace through faith, empowered by the Spirit, and that's how we continue to walk. Okay, so the story that the Holy Spirit, that was just um, the foundation on which to launch. <laughs> um, and I'm going to leave some other things. But what I want to speak about now is, is the journey or the walk of faith from this moment of salvation, this walk of faith that we get to walk. And I needed a new language for it. I needed a language for a walk of faith um, to, in order to navigate the ups and downs, okay, because you don't assess your life on the criteria of what you see and the hustle like everyone else. You assess it differently, and I needed a new language for how to assess it. So at leaders' meeting this week, um, we just all were picking up, Rob referred to it earlier, the swirl. There's a swirl, I would say globally, but we're picking it up in our wider community. It's kind of the swirl that's like the storm of, the words I put to it, distraction, busyness, um, thoughts that confuse or distract, hopelessness, fear, disappointment, and it just 
becomes this nebulous swirl in which our eyes are focused. We're like navigating. There's no clarity. There's no peace in that place. It's just a swirl. And we all face that at different times. And so as we started to pray into that, um, the Holy Spirit began to minister us, to us from Matthew 14, verse 22. So we're going to put that up. And I'm going to use this beautiful story of Jesus walking on water as an analogy for the walk of faith that we walk every day with Jesus, okay? And I want to give us a perspective for when we feel that swirl, that all-consuming swirl that draws us into its nebulous nothingness, okay? How do we navigate that space? And I'm trusting that it will be, for us, there was a shift as we just allowed Jesus to draw us back onto the water and just let his eyes be our mirror. And I'm trusting that, that it will stir your heart as well. Okay, so as soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up to the hills to pray, and as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. But the disciples, who were now in the middle of the lake, ran into trouble, for their boat was tossed about by the high winds and heavy seas. That's about a good definition of the swirl. When you run into trouble that you didn't quite foresee, you're tossed about by high winds and heavy waves. And that's how you feel. That's a really good description of the swirl. And you're left feeling like ah, unstable, unfocused, distracted, busy, and whipped up by doubt and fear and hopelessness. Okay, so that's a really beautiful description. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. For all of those who wake up between three and four in the morning when you're in the swirl and begin to rationalize your whole life, like me, I just love that it was at four o'clock in the morning that Jesus was walking across the waves. I was like, that's so funny because that's the time that your cortisol wakes you up to worry and be anxious about what you're thinking about, right? So when the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed a ghost. Then Jesus said, be brave and don't be afraid. Basically, that is before we enter any promised land, God is like, be brave. Sean is pointing that out this week. Be brave and courageous. Because every day, as you're taking ground in your life for the kingdom, against fear and hopelessness and for the impossible, you've got to remind yourself, be brave and courageous. Okay? I am here, Jesus said. Now, I want to point this out. We were actually singing Yahweh, which I believe is the word I am for God. But the same word, I am, the same reference to his name is found in Exodus 3 verse 14. When God speaks to Moses and he's got this amazing, great, impossible plan to free the Israelites from bondage and slavery and oppression, to bring them out and set them free and take them to a promised land. The impossible, amazing, exciting idea. And Moses is like, who should I tell them sent me? Because it sounds not very plausible. And God says, tell them. I am sent you. That's the same reference to his name Jesus uses there. I am. Because when you're facing the storm and you're facing the impossible, I am is enough. God is enough. Who he is is enough 
to do and be all that he promised. You have to declare over that, I am is enough. This morning we, 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 we saturated and soaked in the fact that who God is, is enough. His promises for our life, the impossible that he's calling you to, whatever that is for your personal context, the impossible he's calling us to as a community and taking kingdom ground to see Johannesburg as it is in heaven, is from his nature. It is who he is. It's not a, oh, there's a little promise. Like, that's a nice wish. It's who he is. It's his nature. It's the I am faithful. I am kind. I am generous. I am full of hope. I am full of light. I am full of generosity. I'm full of justice. It's who he is. And that's why he's faithful to fulfill his promises because it's who he is. It's not a wishful thinking. And so, we, so Jesus says, I am here as you face this impossible situation. And so Peter shouts out, Lord, if it's really you, then have me join you on the water. I love that. <laughs> that is the faith journey. You catch a glimpse of Jesus and you're like, this is amazing. And you jump off the boat and you're like, we're going to do this. This is so cool. And then the reality is so hectic. And the waves are so big and the impossibilities are so large. And you're like, why does it not look like someone else's life that looks so much easier than what I'm feeling right now? We jump in with that enthusiasm, but the reality of the faith walk is that there are a lot of moments where it feels super, super scary. Come and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk with Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, the reality, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, What little faith you have, why would you let doubt win? Oh, my word. And the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased, and all the disciples crouched down before him and worshipped Jesus. And they said in adoration, You are truly the Son of God. So a couple of things from that text. Number one, verse 29, Come and join me is Jesus' constant and daily invitation for us to join him in the adventure of the kingdom life. Every day is like, come and join me. Come and walk with me. Come and see what I want to do today in your lives. Come and see how I see this. Everything you are facing, everything you are facing, the most difficult thing is an opportunity to know him better. Everything, the most impossible situation where you want to, you're like, it's, it's not going to work. It's an opportunity to know Jesus better. Come and join me in this moment, he's saying to us. Verse 30. When he realized how high the waves are, he became frightened. The reality sometimes is really hard of what we face in life and we get scared. And that's when we want to hustle, Okay. So for me, if I was Peter, I'd be standing there and I'd see the swirl, the waves, the, this moment, and my heart would go, can I please go back to the shore? That's my, my default. I don't want this. I want to go back. I want to go back to where I came from. The next option would be looking for something that's floating that I could hold on to. He did a really great thing. He was like, save me, Lord. He looked at Jesus first. I often don't. I'm looking for something else to just hold on to and hustle to make this 
feel safe, to make this feel safe. And the solution to the storm we're in, to the doubt we face, to the promises unfulfilled is actually Jesus. Because if you come up with your own hustle to fix the problem, to fix this thing that you face that you have no solution to, then we get a Ishmael. Hey, like Abraham, Sarah came up with a great idea for having children. God promised a son, but since it wasn't happening, let's do it ourselves. And that's what you get as a consequence. We have to learn to wait. This looks really impossible, but I'm choosing not to hustle. I'm choosing to trust in God and believe he's the safest place in this moment. What the storm reveals every day, what the challenge reveals, what the swirl reveals, what the busyness reveals is that level, the level of our orphan-heartedness. How am, I, how am I acting here? Am I acting alone? Or am I actually depending on Jesus? Am I acting as the beloved? Am I being his daughter? A lot of the time, to be honest, I'm wearing the glasses and I'm going back to the mirror and I'm saying I'm not enough, I don't have enough. I'm fearful, I'm scared, I don't know how this is going to work out. And so the Spirit is not wanting me to stay there. He is so committed to leave those glasses, leave that mirror, let my eyes be your mirror. And that's what happens with Peter is eventually the eyes of the Lord looking at him like that's the only place where he's safe. That's the only place where we know who, he, who we are is when we're looking in Jesus' eyes, when we're tight with the Holy Spirit, when we're listening for his voice. It's the only place where anything actually makes sense. If you can do everything by yourself in your life, it's not the point. There is a walking on water faith journey and kingdom adventure for every single one of us in our individualness and together as a collective. In fact, we need each other very desperately on this journey. Um, easy is not the marker for God. He's inconvenient. He interrupts our plans. There's risk and cost, but it's the only adventure to live. Is, if we're we measuring our life by, is it plausible or likely? the wrong filter is it impossible is it going to change lives is it going to change our city is it going to change our family that's the promise we're holding out for which is a hard one can I be honest I, for a long time I, I, I felt like the promises the Lord had spoken over my life was like wishful thinking so I was like oh that would be nice not plausible not likely Oof. Is it impossible? Because that's what God, how God operates. He is the God of the impossible. He is the, the God of the miracle, the one who can do what none of us can do. And creation's waiting for the sons and daughters to be revealed. Creation, creation's waiting for us to grow in this beautiful maturity of the fullness of Jesus that was given to us at the cross. So I want to quickly go back to the story of Moses. The Lord calls him, he says, Moses, I'm going to take out the people of Israel. And so Moses obeys and, and all these miracles happen. And what does Pharaoh say? No. Pharaoh says, no. Now, plausible and likely goes, okay, maybe I got it wrong. I'll go back to where I came from. But the problem is God's problem because he promised. And so what we need to do when we're facing the big fat no is actually address that orphan-heartedness and go, I'm not alone. I, don't, I can't make this happen. 
If I look at the things in my life that I, where I need God to break through in healing and in issues, and the, I'm like, I can't. I can't actually do it. I'd love to. And maybe that's exactly where he'd like us to be, where we can't, so that he can, right? His kindness sets us up to unearth patterns of thinking because he's so committed to see me look like my eldest brother, to see me be my true self. He is much more committed to me being my true self, my daughter of God's self, than I am. So he allows these things in life to bring my thinking and be like, oh, these guys are hampering your view again. How about you let my Holy Spirit well up inside of you and bring you peace and give you perspective and help you to see your life the way that I see it. Verse 31, when Jesus says, why would we let doubt win? Doubt is real, storms are real, challenge is real, but what's going to win? That is so cool, because at the end of the day, how does it end? It ends with the fact that the storm quiets as Jesus gets on the boat, the impossible that Peter's facing actually happens. The miracle happens. The storm quietens. We will see the impossible in our lifetimes. I believe that. We will see the impossible. And then all the disciples bow down and worship Jesus because it's like the impossible happened. But I would like to carry on walking on the water each moment as I follow Jesus's eyes. The storms bow down to the great I am, they do. So we don't give up as sons and daughters. And so I just wanna finish, I wanna finish with the scripture that Gina shared with us and Rob referred to it last week and I've just been milling over it so much. Um, Psalm 27, just an exhortation to us all. In the swirl, in the storm, in the challenge. Psalm 27, verse 14, uh, 13. I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see you, so, so that I can see again how good you are while I'm still alive. There's this constant trusting daily, moment by moment, that actually you're going to rescue me again, that I'm not going to stay in disappointment and separation. Actually, I'm going to see your goodness, your kingdom, your miraculous, the impossible once again. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. In our unity with Christ, in our unity with Holy Spirit, that is our source of being brave and courageous and never losing hope. Keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. There are great promises that we're gonna see fulfilled. There are great kingdom endeavors that we are called to do, Collective Church. And this morning, I feel like the Holy Spirit is just fine tuning our vision and rising up again within us that we see the way our Father does. He is our inheritance. We wanna look like him, true sons and daughters. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website thecollectivechurch.co.za